Albert Miles Mejia. Thank you so much for being here, bro. I feel like it's a, it's a long time coming, so I appreciate it, dog. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, definitely a long time. Um, just like what you talked about earlier, this is, this is our first time meeting. Yeah. But we've been in the same circle of, of friends for over a decade now. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it's funny how that works out, like how it's like just the perfect timing, synchronicity, like things just kind of line up like that. Like I've definitely seen you from afar. Like I, I'm aware of your work and... And it's dope to finally be here in the flesh with you, dog. Yeah. And same with you. Like I was telling you earlier, I was like, I have music with your name on it. Yo, it's crazy. <laughs> and I've seen music videos. I've seen photos. I like, I've heard of you from, from the homies JD and from Chris. But for some reason, when from like our late teens to our 20s, we just never, we never met each other till now. Yeah, it's crazy. But man, <laughs> glad you're here. Thank you. You know, for myself, getting to know myself it has been like one of the best ways for me to have done that was from like looking back at my childhood and my upbringing and like, and that's how I've gotten to know myself. So I'm, I'm curious about you, man. Like what was your upbringing like? What was your childhood like? And how did that affect your journey up until like who you are right now? Yeah. My upbringing was, was dope, man. Um, you know, like I, obviously I grew up with immigrant parents. Uh, so being older and, and being in high school and telling them like, I'm going to be a dancer or I'm going to start this clothing company or I'm going to start a business in sneakers and fashion, you know, as immigrant parents, just, what the fuck are you doing? 100%. You know, like, <laughs> it's a, it's, um, it's one of those things where my parents, they, they came to a country and out of all my family members, there's five of us, I was the only one born here and I was mm. here you know, you're, you're so lucky for being here, which is a true blessing. It, you know what I mean? Um, hearing stories about my siblings growing up and being made fun of being called fobs and all that right. kind of stuff, you know, that's tough. That's tough mm -hmm. on, on, on family members. And, uh, you know, for me growing up, I was very lucky. I was very fortunate. Um, both my parents raised me right. Obviously there's a lot of, a lot of things that they didn't really understand. Um, yeah. But that's something like I can't really blame them for. So, you know, there are some traumas that are there growing up. But at the same time, those traumas kind of helped me deal with with who I am today and kind of taught me uh, about myself and how I want to help not really mold my son, uh, but just to, you know, understand where. I act a certain way sometimes with him because yeah. it was just all I knew. But now learning and understanding and seeing that I'm able to kind of correct myself. 100%. Um, but yeah, growing up, I had uh, two dope parents, uh, gave me everything that they could. Uh, I grew up in the Northeast. So yeah, same. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like growing up from the Northeast, like there's something about being from the Northeast that you're super proud about. Yeah. You know, well, it's uh, like. Yeah, it's like it's it wasn't easy out there, right? Yeah. Like it was like and and again just going back to what you said about your parents, like at the end of the day that's love. Like they just want you to have an easy life and and the path of like starting your own clothing brand or like dancing or or whatever you're trying to do isn't quote unquote safe to them, yeah. right? Like so they just want to make sure that you're okay and you have an easier life than they did. Um and yeah, so like the northeast, how did that impact your upbringing, I guess? Well, Growing up in the Northeast is just like, you're very tempted to do a lot of things. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I was lucky enough to see some of, you know, like some of my older cousins and stuff. Yeah. 
and I say lucky because it kind of was one of those things where they're like, don't ever do what I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and I think that really taught me a lot, taught me and my young, like me and my other cousins that are on the same age a lot about um, not doing any dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always kind of instilled that in us. Yeah. You know, like, yo, I- don't do what we do. Mm-hmm. especially being in those circles right yeah. like you, you were talking about like being a promoter like helping promote events and stuff oh, like that you and, need a and, lot of people like and that. streetwear and the yeah. whole culture right there's a lot of street of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of street culture in street culture and uh you really gotta just be smart and mm-hmm. for me and i'm not gonna lie about this i've said this in a lot of, of in other interviews that i've done and i've said this to students at state when they asked me what inspired me and i always said like the mafia and gangs Mm. and and when i say that i always say like i don't take it in a negative form the reason why i say that is because i was very intrigued by their mindset of like hustle power and respect Mm. and or money power and respect but i kind of like took that mindset and kind of twisted it into a positive way because one of the things i remember growing up and hearing was the word hustle Mm -hmm. is so negative you know when you think about hustle you think about pimps you think about drug dealers all that kind of stuff and when when i was coming up with the the brand name for legal hustle i mean i was 20 years old when i was like doing this and or 1920 and i was trying to brainstorm with my former business partner jeremy and i was just like yo man like why can't we be like legal hustle. Yeah. Why can't we spin the word hustle into a positive and change the negative connotation of it? Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's how it started. You know what I mean? And it was just, I, I like saw their mentality. I saw, you know, like you, you get to see the money, you know, they make money and it's easy. Yeah. Quote unquote, it's easy. But at the end of the day, they're kind of just like looking over their shoulders because you don't know. Mm-hmm. And especially growing up in that era where like you and I grew up in, around the same time where Asian gangs here in Calgary were big and there was 100%. a lot of shooting. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, they're still around, you know, but with the, the time that we grew up, there was a lot of shit happening. 100%. And like, I remember even me, I got, I kind of got caught up in that whole, <laughs> that whole thing, you know, like. Because for me, it was just like the only masculine Asians that you saw were either like Bruce Lee or like the gangster Asians. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I kind of like fell into that. I was in the, I was with the wrong friends and stuff like that. And, I, and, and it's like, yeah, it's a really appealing kind of world. But you're right, man. It's, it's dead end. Like you look at those people now, like, you know, we're in our 30s now, right? And I don't know anybody who's like thriving off that life or yeah. doing well. They're either dead or in jail, like straight yeah. up. Or like, they're like us now where they're just like, fuck man. Like I, I'm glad <laughs> I got out of that shit. But yeah. I, I think for me growing up in the Northeast, you just see a lot of things like that. And it's so easy to get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like I had some friends that were in it, some family members that were doing that shit, but no one really said anything bad about it. Right. You know what I mean? Cause it was just, it was a thing, mm-hmm. right? It was just there um my core group of friends we all kind of stuck like there's four of us including myself and um shout out to them but it was just uh we knew how to hustle but we just knew how to do it differently like we weren't doing any i mean we did some fucked up shit where we you know you just jack shit from a store and sell it (laughs) out but it wasn't anything crazy you know what i mean it wasn't anything where we could have really got our shit fucked up right but we just saw it 
mm-hmm. and it just kind of instilled us with this mentality of yo like if they can make this much like i can probably do this too but long term you know at a young age i was always thinking about long term yeah i never really understood short term goals mm-hmm. as a kid i was like in all honesty, I was a super lazy guy. Yeah. I was super, super lazy up until I met my um, then girlfriend, now wife, that literally called me out. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, yo, you talk all this shit and you you like talk big, but you don't do anything. Wow. You know, and, and this was before Legal Hustle too. Mm-hmm. And she said that to me. I was like, we just started dating like I was 19. Maybe just... A little bit before a year right maybe a year after a year and when she said that to me i'm like yo that like cut deep mm-hmm. like what you're, you're saying i'm all talk kind of thing yeah so that kind of like woke me up that definitely woke me up and it was one of those things where i i truly appreciate her for doing that um because i was yeah if you knew me when i was younger i was just like all about partying mm-hmm. and just like hanging out with friends and socializing but i wasn't working i wasn't like doing a lot of things you know what i mean yeah. and and um yeah man like it uh, woke me up and i definitely was looking around me and i was just like yo i gotta take this mentality like if i like that mentality why can't i do something positive 100 percent. and like i love that because that's actually what love is is like telling someone the truth even though they might not want to hear the truth yeah and the fact that you can receive that is dope man like but I'm wondering, like, you know, obviously there's there's a there's a part of your journey where you have all these dreams and all this ambition, right? But for whatever reason, it's not translating into action. Yeah. What do you feel were like those obstacles from dreaming to action? And then, yeah, like what was that? And then how did you overcome that? So one of the things that my dad used to say to me growing up, especially because when I was, so when I was 18, 2008, I graduated from high school, got into Mount Royal. Hmm. I got accepted into, so this is a stupid story, but I got accepted <laughs> into SAIT for journalism. Okay. And then I got accepted into Mount Royal for open studies mm. or general. So you remember that shit? Yeah, yeah, I do. Where you just do whatever you could just to figure out what you're trying to do. Yeah. So my initial plan was to go to um, SAIT for journalism. Mm. But I was like, now nah, I'm going to go to Mount Royal because my friends were like, Yo, man, Mount Royal got all the hottest girls. <laughs> <laughs> it did have that reputation. Yeah, back then. It, it was did. like number three in Playboy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. my dumbass went to <laughs> Mount Royal where I could have already like, you know, I could have gone to journalism and all that kind of stuff. Right. But at the same time, I wasn't sold on college. I wasn't sold on school. It was just my parents kept telling me when you graduate from school, you have to go to college right away. Like I didn't get to take a break. Mm. So I was like, right away I was in school. Um, I like flunked out of Mount Royal. Wow. I did decent in some classes, but I did like, I did math 30 pure in Mount Royal because I failed it twice in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I was, I don't even know I was in pure. Like I was, I was like cheating off people to get to certain well, it's you know, probably like Asian parent pressure. They're like, you have to take pure. Yeah, right? it was just like, yo, <laughs> like I did good in math. Like yeah. I was great in math up until a certain point where school, high school was just boring. School yeah. was just boring. I was like, I was going to, I never missed a day of school. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I did was like socialize, yeah. go to dance class and gym. Mm-hmm. And then I was on the, the volleyball and basketball team. And yeah. that's all that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last year of high school, though, I couldn't play on the ball team because they were like, yo, 
you can you can only pick one sport and you can't do certain things because you're not gonna graduate wow like i literally graduated at 51 percent, like was my average bro yeah that's crazy <laughs> and the credits you remember back in high school because we came from catholic schools but yeah. i don't you had to have like 40 hours of, Volunteer. of like volunteering yeah. and then you have to ha- you have to have 100 credits Mm-hmm. I graduated with like 102. Wow. You know, I was so close to not graduating. I was yeah. doing physics 20 with my cousin in our last semester of high school. And mm-hmm. if we didn't pass that shit, like we were not going to walk the stage, you know, right. like, and all we can think about is our parents whooping our asses. Yeah. Just because, <laughs> you know, like that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, like I graduated, went to Mount Royal, did okay, flunked out of a lot of those classes. And then when I was 19, like my dad is in the aviation industry. Okay. And our, and our last name goes pretty deep here in, in like Alberta, Calgary. I mean, maybe even Western side of Canada because of my dad, like he's, he's a workhorse. Like my dad is, uh, he's retired, but he's still working Mm. and he's, uh, he's like turning 75 this year Wow. and he's still working. He can't, he can't retire, man. And, Mm. um, I told him, I was like, I'm going to get into the aviation program. And uh, this is what my dad told me. At first, he didn't want me to. He didn't want me to get into aviation. And the one thing he said to me was, find a job that you can work less and make more. Mm. And in my understanding at that time was like, okay, well, find a job, get an education, find a job that I work less and I make more money. Right? So obviously in my mind i'm also thinking why don't i just start my own business type yeah. of thing but i also don't know i didn't know anything about business at that time <laughs> um but uh he said that to me and then i was just like okay like well you're doing it and you like it he's like yeah but i love it mm. you know it, just don't do it because you know you can possibly get a job or right. this and that and even when i when i went into the um the aviation program at state Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2009 all my instructors knew my dad they all worked with my dad wow. they all like there was already a lot of pressure on me because they would talk to me about my dad being this type of guy and um one of my other instructors was like i understand there's a lot of pressure on you but do what you can do and no matter what any other instructors are saying to you here just you're not your dad yeah you know and and they would talk about how amazing my dad was at his job Mm -hmm. so i was just like you know i'm like i'm fine like whatever you know i'm gonna just do this one-year program get a job which i did so by the age of 20 i started working i worked for my dad i was like his uh, his apprentice and then i started working on my own when i turned 21 so i graduated at i started school 19 graduated when i was 20 got a job like in the spring fall with my working with my dad and then 2021 came in and that's when i started working for a company and i fucking hated that shit bro yeah like the people that i worked with also knew my dad but they were just dicks (laughs) there was just maybe like one or two guys that were like super willing to to teach you know what i mean when you're in school you're just learning theory Mm -hmm. when you get handed a fucking airplane and you're staring at it you're like what the fuck do I do? Yeah. Like my first job with my homie Jose, we uh, both got the job together. We both started the exact same day. Wow. And maybe like two months later, they're like, this is a job you guys got to do. And Mm. and no one was willing to kind of like show us the ropes, like understand how something works. 
and what are the limitations of things we can or can't do Mm -hmm. bro the first job we did we costed thirty five thousand dollars in damage oh my god (laughs) that's nuts dude and it was yeah it was just like we ended up not getting in trouble for it because someone advocated for us right and they were like well you guys didn't want to do this job and you just passed it on until you guys passed it on to our apprentices right and then you didn't even bother to like watch them or guide them Mm -hmm. and like i'm grateful for that guy because he's he's one of my dad's longest friends but he like really advocated for me and and my friend and he was just like you guys aren't here to teach you guys are just here to pass work on to the new guys totally but being in the aviation industry i should have known like my dad told me he gave me those warnings right yeah it was but that was the thing he always just said um get a job that you work less make more Mm -hmm. and then it wasn't until i started legal hustle so Mm -hmm. i started legal hustle when i was working in aviation okay so you were like doing it as a side hustle while you're doing aviation yeah because at that time too like at 21 i was making decent coin i was still living with my parents um no debts nothing yeah you know what i mean like simple shit to pay for your insurance your car Mm -hmm. your Mm -hmm. cell phone bill right um but uh yeah i was like making decent coin and then uh i met my old business partner jeremy uh through through dance you know so i was like i've been a dancer forever man right and i was always in the hip-hop and dance community and i like i was very into style and fashion so i grew Mm. up on basketball i grew up on on b-boying and dance um and then fashion was just there like i always loved sneakers because you know when you play ball you got to have sneakers right right? when you're on a dance floor you still got to look fresh so Mm -hmm. one of my things was always like it was all about looking fresh from head to toe Mm -hmm. and like i embody that to this day you know like i might change my style a little bit here and there um but yeah like it was just i met jeremy through through dance and then i was like yo you're doing all these dope graphics for your dance crew and like i want to start a clothing brand and i have mm-hmm. my dance crew and it was at the time when when like all these dance crews in the city were coming together mm-hmm. and uh now it's like there there's like one big crew right yeah um so it was just like i was like yo let's just do something together mm-hmm. i was like i have this amount of money and then he was like yeah i got my student loans because yeah. he was at my royal <laughs> so, so like for you like when it was you're, you're at your job you hate it Right. Yeah. And you're and you're doing this thing on the side and you're like, This is your dream, this is your real passion, this is what's really like who you are, the whole work less, make more mentality. Yeah. Like when did you decide to like, yo, I'm out of aviation, I'm gonna go all in on on legal hustle? Or I went like back what's that journey? I went back to school. Oh that word. same year. So when I was twenty one, got that job. Yeah. Worked for I worked for them up until maybe I was twenty two. Mm-hmm. But I went back to school. So I would go to school after school i would have to work after hours at the at the hangar wow so i was working by myself but the jobs that they gave me were just things that i could do on my own yeah but that was kind of the agreement that we had Mm -hmm. but at the same time like man i can't i can't do this like i don't i don't even want to do this yeah you know so i um well i talked to my dad about i'm like i don't i don't like it yeah and he's like (laughs) yeah i knew it (laughs) i told you you know what i mean like I, I i told you but he he still took me in, so I started working for him while I was in school. Right. So for the three years that I did at, at SAIT, because it was a two-year program for business, mm-hmm. but then I kind of stretched it out because the first semester was 
all school like no work yeah and i was like nah this can't i can't live off of this mm -hmm. after you make a little bit of coin you just you know you have to figure out a way to make money and i was and that was like i was already i was still club promoting yeah because i started club promoting when i was 18 mm -hmm. um and that was all that was okay yeah you know um but i i just wanted more especially as a a sneaker collector of like course, how yeah. the fuck am i gonna buy my shoes if, <laughs> if like i don't have money 100 uh so i worked with my dad for a bit i also worked at champs mm. but then i was also you know pushing the clothing company yeah uh that's crazy dude that's a lot league also <laughs> you know what up. i mean like I, there was a point i was working six jobs because mm -hmm. i worked for the aldo company and my position within the Aldo company at one point, I was working for Spring Shoes. I was working mm. for Feet First. I was working for Locale, which was Feet First turning into Locale and then now Little Burgundy. Right. So I was working for those stores and I was just being passed around. Mm. And I was working for Foot Locker. Yeah. And I was working in aviation and I was working doing Legal Hustle. Right. So there's like all these things that I was doing. And then the company name didn't stick with me until one of my friends was like, yo you're on that legal hustle mm. i was like holy shit you just use that in a fucking verb yeah you know like <laughs> you're telling me i'm doing it mm -hmm. so in my mind i was like yo so i'm making it a positive thing so let's keep fucking doing this yeah. shit. so that's how it kind of came where i finalized it at, as legal hustle mm -hmm. um but yeah just kind of like going back to the to your question with uh with like like going through everything um that whole work less make more what he really meant by that when my dad said that to me was uh work less so you have more time for your friends and family yeah the money will come but he didn't say that to me mm -hmm. so i understood it as i got older where i was like yo you like you do work less mm -hmm. because you're happy at what you do yeah like you work my dad worked hours man he would work at air canada and then like moonlight at another company at night just because he fucking loved what he was doing yeah and he was never tired mm -hmm. and he would still wake my dumb ass up if i missed the bus and drive me to school and yeah. then sleep for a bit only for him to go back to work and then you know if he has to work a night shift somewhere mm -hmm. but um i understood after a while like as i was in college i was like holy shit like and i have my i had my girl already at this time too right yeah. and it was just like it was an eye-opener because then i remember saying it to him i was like you meant fucking work less by being happy with what you're doing yeah and getting paid for it and then you have all this time 100%. for your friends and family so that was like where a lot of the things like started clicking in my head yeah i love that shift right because you know when when you're looking for a career you're generally like going to school you're like oh what am i gonna take or whatever and when you're making that decision it's kind of like okay how much money does this make or like how much am i gonna get from this but you know a question that i've asked myself lately that kind of brought me to kind of the decisions i've been making lately is like what do i want my contribution to be to the world yeah Rather than like, what can I take from this job or get from this thing? It's like, what do I want, actually want like my, my contribution to be, right? And like for you, it's like, you know, changing the paradigms of like hustle culture into something positive because, you know, coming from the Northeast, you see a lot of the negative aspects of that. And then so like 
that's brought you here to like yeah. this full life of actually doing the things that you want to do right which is blessed yeah and it's and like i love saying this because i know it's true but it wasn't if it wasn't for legal hustle mm. the name nobody would be using hustle in the city and i will proudly say that mm. because over 10 years ago when you incorporate a business and that's the thing people don't know what it's like to actually start a business or even right. start a clothing company like a lot of people thought i was just doing shit under the table mm -hmm. yo i incorporated i'm an incorporated business like yeah. i pay my taxes i do all this shit 100%. you know what i mean so when i had before i even registered legal hustle which you have to do is called a nuance check mm. so you can go to like i went to ama i think at the time i paid like 50 bucks yeah they ask you what's the company name that you want so i put legal hustle clothing and they give you all the names of this of the companies within your province yeah that your province and i think they also gave it to me in the the nation like for right. for canada and it was like these are all the company names that are similar to what you're thinking of having and mm -hmm. no one had the word hustle especially here in calgary wow no one was even using the word hustle and i didn't understand that because when i played sports mm -hmm. my coach used to always say hustle like hustle for the ball yeah, hustle yeah, for yeah. this and it was like why is it that we're only using it in a positive connotation at this point right but like why can't i say i'm a hustler at school as a student and working mm -hmm. you know or like I had friends that had kids in high school and they were hustling. Yeah. But like, why weren't we calling them hustlers? Mm -hmm, you know, like mm -hmm. we just said they were working hard or yeah. grinding or whatever yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah. <laughs> key word was at that time right. in, in like the rap, I'll say like the rap game, whoever said whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, I remember doing a nuance track and no one had the word hustle. Mm -hmm. There was no word hustle anywhere. Mm -hmm. So when, when me and Jeremy came out, man we got dogged on a lot i remember some people telling us like yo like legal hustle is weird it's like it's like a kid name hmm. and i'm like okay well it's a kid name then that's your perspective right but you i was like you have to look deeper into it and when i explained it to them they're like oh shit respect bro yeah yeah like that's a dope story i was like mm. exactly you got you got to look at the story that I'm not just building, but you're also building, mm -hmm. you know, like you're a hustler at a nine to five, you're well, a hustler yeah. doing whatever, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it, it's like, what gave us that motion that it was negative? Yeah. You know, like, obviously I get it like rap, hip hop, right. All that stuff that we kind of grew up with, but I am, I loved it, you know, mm -hmm. and I, and I, I was trying to find a way to make it different. Yeah, man. And where my mind goes when I hear that story is like, you know we have these dreams or these projects that we want to pursue and like one of the things that stops us is just other people's opinions yeah like you know <laughs> somebody else might just hear that and like hear that criticism to their name and they're like oh this sucks i'm gonna change the name of this or i'm gonna like totally totally shift that were you always able to like swerve criticism and stuff and be confident in your ideas or or what was that process like for you to become that or to be more confident in your shit despite what other people are saying about it yo i think that's a dope i think that's such a dope question i've never actually been asked that before <laughs> yeah but i um it made me just think back like my my one of my dance names is styles mm. i used to go by b-boy styles i used to go by flip styles but then i just kept it as styles as i got older and my name Styles kind of matched me. The way mm. I danced was I wasn't just a b-boy. I was doing choreography. Um, 
I'm one of the pioneers here in Western Canada for Crump, for the Crump movement in Canada. Mm. Uh, so like I was just doing a lot of things. Like I had a lot of styles that I did in dance, but I was also in love with fashion and sneakers yeah. and streetwear. So I was always styling. So mm-hmm. like my name styles was given to, I forgot which one of my homies growing up, but they're like, yo, your name is at first. He's like your flip styles. And then when we got into b-boying, we all like got into a crew together and we were called Ill Techniques way back in high yeah, school. I think I remember that name. <laughs> Sounds familiar. But like we we went by Ill Techniques and uh, they changed my name to B-Boy Styles. And then as I got older and I was kind of like moving away from the b-boy world and just getting into, I just want to say dance as in general. And then before getting into Crump, um, I dropped b-boy and just became Styles. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, and I remember people making fun of that name. Yeah. So it was like, I felt like I, I stayed true to a lot of my shit. Mm. Um, I, I like did whatever I could to stay true to who I was. So when people were dogging on League of Hustle, like it didn't phase, like it phased me, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that people said, like some of the, some, like some of the homies were even saying shit. Yeah. You know, but at, at that time, like no one understood you know what I mean? No one understands what was going in my mind, mm-hmm. right? Like why I came up with it. And again, it's just like when you tell the story of how the business came to be, like the name, then people are like, oh, right. like I like that story. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think and it makes me feel good about hustling, like the shit that I'm doing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't just about us. Like as much as I love graphic tees and I love dropping some dope ass looks and seeing people look dope in the stuff that we make and putting their own style into it. Um, it was like, everyone is building their story and we're building a brand off your backs and our backs. Yeah. And this is our way of sharing it with a community. So we built a, we built a small community with legal hustle with mm-hmm. that, um, which was great. Like it, you know, the dance community was great with it. Uh, and then, you know, it helped with legal hustle. And then at the same time, it also helped with the, the creation of YYC soldiers. Right. Yeah. Cause you're transitioning into that. Yeah. So yeah. Before we get into that though, man, like I just want to, you know, comment on what you just said about, about that. Right. Like, I guess, yeah, you have a vision and when you first start out, like it feels like people are judging your entire vision, but really they're just judging your first step. Like they're judging like the first move that you made and they don't know what it's going to be like. And, yeah. and and maybe those people might change their mind once you're actually executing and doing your thing and going on that journey and you actually will end up building a community. But at the beginning, it might just be like, that's stupid because yeah. they, can't, they can't see what you're building. You know what I mean? And ultimately, like from what, what I'm getting from what you said, man, is like it low key did bother you still, but yeah. it didn't stop you yeah. from doing the thing. You know, I think too many people let that feeling of like, oh, I'm embarrassed or I feel stupid or this person thinks it's stupid. So I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to stop. Yeah. But like, you just do it anyway. Like, even for me, people will come up to me and they'll say like, Nick, I think what you're doing is so cool. But like, for me, man, before I post stuff, I'm like, you're mad s- doubt. Yeah. <laughs> you get <laughs> like, that imposter syndrome. Exactly, dude. Like, that shit hits hard. I still get that to this day. When like, when I was making YouTube videos, like just doing a product review on say a new machine that I got, yeah. like I was scared to put it out there because there's all these crafting moms doing the exact right. same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I also looked at it 
for my for example like my youtube videos there's no crafting dads or crafting right. dudes that are out there yeah you know there's not a lot of us anyways mm-hmm. like a, a lot of the ones that i know i've i've talked to yeah but yeah it's like the initial step that you know if you introduce something to the world that's new mm-hmm. some you get you get ragged on for, for a minute yeah and like that's the thing too like what i've realized is it's almost a signal that i'm in they're going in the right direction like it's like the things that we're insecure about or afraid to share with the world are the exact things that we have to yeah and that's the actually that's actually the thing that people are attracted to because there's gonna be maybe there's crafting dads out there who when they find your content they'll be like oh man that's me too this yeah. guy represents me this is awesome yeah. and like however many people that is it doesn't really matter it's like community is community you know it doesn't have to be like huge or anything it's like, just what it exactly. is exactly and it's it's definitely one of those things like imposter syndrome will always be there yeah no matter what like like i said even when i was coming down here to and i was like thinking about the podcast because I, I haven't done a podcast in years yeah that i was you know like that i was just being a part of mm-hmm. you know what i mean um like i've held stuff with with my own shit but right uh you know even just thinking about like what do i say what do i Mm-hmm. You know, like it got me nervous, but at the same time, like, what the fuck, man? Like me and Nick, we know each other from all these avenues. Yeah. Like it doesn't really, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. we can just be authentic with, with what we're doing. 100%. You know, and regardless, there's people that are going to love us and there's always going to be people that are going to hate what we do. Right? 100%, dude. And like, I think it's a core need or a core want for us to like, for, for people in general to like be accepted or loved or whatever. And like, you're never actually going to be accepted or loved if you don't show up as yourself. Yeah. Like if you're showing up as like some avatar or some thing that you want people to like, like, and people like that, it's going to mean nothing to you anyway, man. Like, yeah, you're going to go home empty. Exactly. (laughs) Doesn't it feel good when you're actually vulnerable with somebody and you're like, oh man, this is actually who I am. And they're like, they give you love and like, Hey, cool, man. That's okay. Or like, dude, I really love that about what you're doing. Like that's actual love. Yeah. But yeah. but people will settle for being liked, so Yo, they're just trying to get likes or be liked by people. Exactly, you know? and and it's it's crazy because I was just telling my wife this, but like me and my wife go back and forth with a lot of the stuff because she's a huge book. She's a bookworm. Mm-hmm. She calls herself a book nerd, but like she has a huge library of books. I love that, and she like she reads a lot. And it, it gets me inspired to read more. I suck mm-hmm. at reading. Like, <laughs> fair, fair. But she'll read like a big book in like a week and a half. Yeah. And I'll be reading, I'll try to read a little book and it'll take me like six months. She's like, you're not done yet. And I'm like, nah. Yeah. Like, I'm I just a slow get, reader too. Yeah. Like I get caught up with things and sometimes like I'll start reading and I'll just fall asleep. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I was talking to her about this stuff. So she talked to me about how she's such a, a book nerd. And I'm like, I'm a wrestling nerd. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you've seen my posts of, like, my action figures mm-hmm. and, like, me posting about wrestling yeah. or even t-shirts that I make with wrestlers on it and stuff. But that was... So, going back to, you know, like, how do you push through a lot of these things? That's the one thing I didn't push through with. Mm. Like, especially getting into high school, I loved wrestling. Yeah. But I was, like, a closet wrestling fan. Right. Like, you didn't really want to show it. Yeah. When I, when I felt like I didn't want to show it anymore and I didn't want to buy action figures mm-hmm. anymore because it's like, what are, you, what are you doing playing with toys? You <laughs> right. know what I mean? And it was one of those things where I wish I didn't let that go. Mm-hmm. Like, I kept everything else. I had the sneakers. I was super into sneakers. Yeah. I was super into fashion. And, like, 
people made fun of the shit that I was even wearing sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that didn't phase me because I was just like, I'm fucking styles. You right, know what I right, mean? Like, right. you know my name, you know what I'm going to come and look like. So whatever you say, you know, I'm styles and you regardless is going to be fresh to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, that was the one thing I didn't push through. And I was talking to my wife about this, uh, just a bit ago where I was like, man, like I'm so, I'm like, very happy to have like my guys and yyc soldiers that are also wrestling fans dope and like especially with with adam my business partner and andrew fung mm. and uh like we just have like the the three of us have a group chat sending each other pictures of action figures i love that you know and it was just one of these things where i'm like man like i really wish i didn't i just stayed true to myself as like a wrestling fan and, a, and an avid toy collector mm-hmm. where i didn't care what other people thought yeah about me collecting shit like that because it was just because now when i look at my son i'm just like yo this is the stuff that i was into and whatever you're into like i'm down to learn about it yeah you know what i mean like when he was in a paw patrol i was fucking i was paw patrol all the way you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. when he was into blippy i was like into blippy and you know like he's into like wig the wiggles right now which yeah, is crazy because yeah. i remember growing up with the wiggles <laughs> yeah. but he's like super into the wiggles and i'm into it you know like me and my wife love sharing with him but we also want to kind of teach him that being authentic is being authentic 100 mm-hmm. percent. if you love a certain thing if you love a certain look or whatever it is like stay true to that yeah because i was yeah that's the one thing i feel like I faulted myself on mm-hmm. was not being true. And it's not until just, you know, a couple of years ago, I started collecting action figures yeah. again because I was just like, Oh, I got gifted a, a Bret Hart action figure from, um, blade blade, which is a uh, Brett's youngest son. Yeah. Like, like, like Bret Hart, Hitman Hart, right? Like yeah. he's, he's from Calgary. right? Yeah. So I like blade invited me over to his dad's house crazy and you know he kind of just took me on a tour and he showed me he like he's like oh you like action figures i'm like yeah he's like yeah take this and Mm -hmm. take this action figure and it and then that's how my love for wrestling and action figures like fucking blossomed Mm -hmm. again and then talking to andrew fung and talking to to my homie jermaine and adam and like seeing how they were super into wrestling yeah and Andrew has a crazy like belt collection <laughs> and it nuts. was just like man like I really wish I stayed authentic yeah you know but when you're young you don't really know you just mm. you want to impress right yeah, it's all you, about the likes yeah you want to get liked yeah. you want to be liked yeah but what you really want is to be loved and yeah to be loved you got to be yourself right? exactly but like I love that journey because it's never too late it's yeah. never too late to pick it up you know like I was super into martial arts as a kid, like immediately, like there's, there's uh, photos of me like doing Kung Fu kicks and stuff like at three, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, when I was growing up though, like I just got straight up made fun of for that. You know, I was in martial arts and, um, for a little bit and, you know, it was just like, kind of like the stereotype Kung Fu Asian guy thing. And I, and I just totally just like got rid of that. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Um, same with singing, man. Like, it's crazy that you have like, you have like music with my name on it and stuff. And that's crazy to me. But like, you know, there was a time where I was super insecure and self-conscious about those things. But like, you know, later on in life, I pick it up. Like I train martial arts now as an adult and and it's never too late. It's never too late, man. Like I think, yeah, I think we, like a lot of people have, uh, 
a bad relationship with time and age you know what i mean like at this point i'm 30 and i used to think 30 was like old yeah but now like i'm 30 now and i feel so young i feel like the Bro, same I'm as i did when i was 20 40, man yeah <laughs> everyone that i know that's in their 40s were like 40 is when life starts 100 and i'm like yo that sounds so dope like i'm excited <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah but it, yeah man it was like just going back on us just you know putting on like it's weird that we have a thing these days or the way we kind of grew up where you know by 24 you should be married by yeah. 28 you should have kids and i think that fucked a lot of a lot of us 100 percent. you know what i mean like even even with just like buying a house people are like by this age you should buy a house and you need to stop renting and it's like but maybe you don't need to mm. you know like why can't we why can't we just normalize renting yeah or normalize like buying a house whenever you f you know you you're financially set or mm -hmm. you're actually ready i find that you know growing up everyone kept just saying yeah you know we gotta we gotta make sure we do this and get married and i i don't think i ever put a cap on it yeah. i like listened and there were times in life where i was like man like what the fuck <laughs> you know i'm like this age now and i should have a million dollars in my bank account yeah right yeah. like i at at you know at 17 we we're all like by 26 i'll probably have a million dollars you know yeah, everybody thinks that <laughs> yeah, there's like all these like by this age i'm gonna have a g-wagon yeah and i was just talking to jd about this today but just like even when you have the money to buy a g-wagon or whatever it is mm -hmm. when you get to a certain age you're like do i need it exactly like is it to 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 show everyone that i fucking I made it 100% and there you go again right like it's it's like people's perceptions can can like affect the decisions you make with your life and you have to live your life man yeah and actually you know I've been there I've been there looking at other people's lives and comparing my life to theirs and be like oh I should be where they are yeah but man that just shrinks you that like shrinks your path like and like I'm a spiritual person so I believe like all these little things are just like hints to our path in life. Like the fact that you lo love wrestling and like you're into like fashion and dancing and, and whatever you're into is like all clues for you to, to live your destiny, man. Yeah. you know? And, and when we look at other people's lives or try to fit into the cookie cutter thing, like we just, we stop giving our gift, man. We stop being in that place. And that's when I think, you know, you were talking about this earlier, but that's when I think like, you start feeling like you're forcing life instead of like life falling into place and things like having synchronicity and like divine timing in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's like, um, we grew up with hustle culture mm. and I, I've, I've posted this before in one of my stories where I was like, I was promoting hustle culture, mm. but that shit killed me. Yeah. That like I was following the wrong people on social media and I was like comparing myself with like a fucking 40 year old dude yeah. that has a team running everything for him. And he's just the fucking face of the cameras. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I, I fucking fell into that shit and I was all about grinding and hustling and sleep when you're dead. All this yeah, bullshit. Bro. bro. And, and in all honesty and reality of like looking at the perspective of just legal hustle itself that's what made me fall out of love with the brand mm. to a point like i love legal hustle for what it did for me as a kid yeah you know at the age of 20 
it got me into the industry that I wanted to be a part of. And yeah. I'm still a part of to this day. And it really opened a lot of doors for me, you know, from meeting um, Bobby Hundreds, meeting some of the guys from Crooks and Castles. Like these are like fuck my idols. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like meeting Ben Hundreds, meeting Johnny Cupcake, meeting Mark Echo, like Echo Clothing. You know, we I grew up seeing yeah. that shit. And to meet Mark Echo was just like mind blowing. And to learn from a lot of these people, like even meeting Jeff Staple. Mm. I met Jeff Staple. I've met Tinker Hatfield. I've learned from a lot of these guys. But I was so young and so dumb. But it was because I surrounded myself with not even the people around me, but just the shit I was looking at on my phone. Yeah. You know, whether it be a Gary V or whether it be. <laughs> You know, like a, another entrepreneur, you yeah. know, and and the thing that I failed to realize was these guys are one, they're a lot older than me. Mm -hmm. They've made a lot more mistakes than me. Yeah. They've done a lot more than I have in my lifetime, but they also have a team now that runs shit for them. Mm -hmm. And with Legal Hustle, it was just when when I bought out my business partner and we when we just ended things um, and it was just me on my own. Like I was doing everything from the graphics to the marketing to um, like putting stuff out. The only thing I maybe did, I, I hired someone was like taking photos for me because I just don't have that eye for it. Right. And I understood that I don't have that eye for it. Mm -hmm. um, I might have an eye for it now because I, you know, I, I take photos of what I like and yeah. I, it just works out for me kind of thing. Um, but hustle culture is, is fucked. It's <laughs> yeah. fucked, man. And it's, and I was an advocate for it and I was telling people, and I was telling kids and when I would do talks at SAID, I was like, you gotta, you know, you gotta grind and this, this and this. Mm -hmm. But when you get older, you look back and it's just like, yo, did I enjoy doing all that grinding? Yeah. Like it looks cool on social media. You're up at fucking three o'clock in the morning designing mm -hmm. a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. And by six o'clock in the morning, I'll hold the t-shirt up saying I made it. But did you love every single process of that? Yeah. And when people say trust the process, it's true. Trust the process. Like, yeah, like hustle culture brought me to a certain point, but it also brought me to a point where I hated looking at my own brand at one point. Yeah. And that's like, like for me now, as much as I love legal hustle, it's not my main focus anymore. Yeah. I'll still do a t-shirt here and there, but there is just something that... I like worked so hard and grinded so hard that that grind doesn't love you back. Bro, I can relate so much to that, <laughs> man. Cause like, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm consuming all of this stuff of like these like 20 year old entrepreneurs that just made it or something or like, yeah, maybe they're 40 or 50 or whatever they are. And like what I realized was like, yeah, it's, it's, it started as this thing where like, oh, I love this. So I better put all my energy into it. But then it, when I really looked at it, what I realized was this, this hustle that I was doing came from a place of just not enoughness, like looking at myself in the mirror and be like, you're not enough. So you better work your ass off yeah. to be enough. You better, you better prove that you're enough by like this bag you made exactly. or by like this thing accomplishment that you can show to people. And like what I began to realize was like, yeah, it's about the process. It's about like, did I show up for myself today? Did I, did I do the thing? Okay, cool. Like, just like a plant, right? Like if you're, if you're taking care of a plant, you give it water, you give it sun, you make sure the soil is good. But if you keep watering that plant, just like, cause, <laughs> cause like it's going to die, bro. Yeah. And that's the same thing. Like just being like, I nurtured this today. And then I trust 
what the outcome is going to be. Cause a lot of the hustle is like, I don't trust this, bro. Yeah. I better do like every single thing in my power to do this. Cause I'm not going to make it if I don't. Yeah. And if I don't do this, then I'm not enough. And then I can't be loved or whatever the, yeah. whatever the thing is. Right. And people are going to think I fell off and this and that, yeah. you know what I mean? Especially the naysayers. I would say shit. Yeah, they exactly. Want you, they want you to fuck up so they could be like, yo, I told you, man, that shit wasn't going to work out. Yeah. But I mean, that's like one in a million thing that can get fucked up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I just saw this this podcast uh, called it's it's on Idea Generation, yeah. Uh, hosted by Noah, um, who is also from Complex NCB, and he had Scooter Brom, okay, uh, Justin Bieber his manager, yeah, yeah. And he asked him the same thing about hustle culture, mm-hmm. and I just honestly I just heard this yesterday, yeah, even before coming here, and and Noah was like, so we grew up in an era about hustle culture and I was like, fuck, I should bring this shit up too. Yeah. Yeah. Because we grew up in that same era, but we were like the tail end of these guys. Right. But now if you look at the world, it's so, it's so crazy that there was a point in life where we're like, go, go, go rest. When we die, we got to compete with ourselves Mm -hmm. and we got to fucking prove it to ourselves with like all the success, all our fucking cars, our houses, this, whatever the investments are that we get through all this hustling and that's how we prove our success to other to other people yeah right and how fucked is it to think we have to we were doing things for other people exactly that that don't even give a fuck about you yeah that are actually like hoping you lose exactly (laughs) and then scooter was just like yeah and nowadays you look at life you'll watch a gatorade commercial and maybe if you look at gatorade 10 years ago it was like um the grind doesn't stop, whatever. Right. But now it's like, pause, hmm. balance, breathe. Right. You know, like the generation now is learning about balance and how to go to sleep, how to turn off at night. Mm-hmm. Because people that are, especially entrepreneurs and cre- creatives in general, like our minds run forever. Yeah. You know, whether it be making a song, producing a beat, you know, making a t-shirt or or an idea for a, an upstart or a startup company mm-hmm. you know like we're always like you'll go to sleep and we're always thinking about these things yeah. and it's sometimes it's hard to shut off mm-hmm. but the hardest thing to do is to just completely meditate or balance or just like shut your mind off of whatever your phone is telling mm-hmm. you whatever your computer is telling you or whatever other people are telling you of how to do things you should do this you should, yeah. you should do that right um but yeah it's just crazy to think that we were so embodied with hustle culture and we we embraced it yeah. so hard <laughs> yeah man and like for me it's like i told myself a story where it's like i will have peace when i achieve the thing <laughs> right yeah whereas like what you're saying is like you can find peace right now like yeah. you can find balance and peace right now and like even in the midst of it you haven't reached all your goals yet that's fine you can still be at peace yeah but i was telling myself the story is like i'll be at peace when i get this done and i'll and i'll get be at peace once i get this job or i'll be at peace once i do this thing and it's like <laughs> but then you do the thing and then you're not at peace because there's the next thing that you got to do <laughs> you know what i mean bro i had a quote and i used to like po- i used to post this on legal hustles instagram like every every couple months but it was like hustle now sleep later mm-hmm and I look at it now, I'm like, what the fuck were you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, I, there was a point for maybe like a good 10 years where I was maybe getting three to four hours of sleep. Yeah. And I was like, before having 
my son, I was a 5 a.m. guy. Mm-hmm. No matter what time I slept at, I had to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the gym. Yeah. To get up at 5 a.m., either go to the gym, go home, take a shower, do a bit of my, my hustle, my work, go to work, come back home, you know, do the same shit again. Grind, yeah. go to sleep, wake up. It's unsustainable, yeah, bro. And, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of people literally were dying off that yeah. because of exhaustion, of stress, you know. And, and that's how it puts you in a fucked up mentality sometimes. And that's mm. how a lot of people end up dying by suicide because yeah. they're trying to do things without the balance anymore. Because we're, we, we were just taught to mm-hmm. just push, 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 push. But we were never really taught to just chill. Yeah, dude. It's such an interesting thing for me because, like... I've been trying to seek balance for a long time. I've never been able to strike it. I always feel like there's something that suffers when I'm trying to balance out my life. And like, it's weird for me because I also feel like everything in in life is connected. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, oh, I'm trying to balance my mental health and my physical health. Well, your mental health's going to be better if you're taking care of your body. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, oh, well, I want to like balance my inner peace and like my money situation. Well, you're probably going to be at more peace if like you can pay your bills. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it pulls, there's, it's always pulling, there's something always pulling. And I think that's where life comes in and, and we'll never have a balance. Exactly. But we can control what we stress about, what we are worried about, or even just like, just sitting here and, you know, us talking, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's good for our mental health. 100%. Um, even just like, fuck just sitting and staring at the ceiling you know like (laughs) yeah sometimes i see my son and he'll just be like instead of watching tv Mm -hmm. he'll just like lay on our couch grab his blanket and he's not tired but he'll just lay there yeah i'm like what are you doing he's like "Eh, just relaxing yeah like not thinking about anything he's just he's chilling yeah dude right we have so much to learn from kids bro bro 100 percent, man and that's where my life literally changed was like after having our son I, uh, I like looked at him and I'm just like, you're a person Mm -hmm. like you're, you're my kin. You're like my heart. You know what I mean? You're my, not even, it's like beyond blood. It was just like, there's more to life than what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying about, um, you know, what you do now is setting you up for something else or for your legacy right and for me the way i look at life now is i don't care if carter is into streetwear i don't care if he's into wrestling or sneakers or whatever i'll share my passions with him but i will never push it on him i will never push him to be a dancer mm-hmm. that's one of the things where i was when we had a kid when we had him i was like i don't want him to be a dancer yeah. i don't want him to get into dance i don't because I just understand. I know what the industry is like. Mm-hmm. But of course, when your parents are both dancers and we're at home and we're just like playing music and we're just freestyling together, mm-hmm. he's going to pick something up and he yeah. loves it. And that's like so blessed because I look at it and I'm like, damn, love it. Mm-hmm. Be you, be authentic. Again, going back to being authentic again. But now for me, I could have all these accolades but they do nothing for my son. They do nothing for my family. But the only thing I think about is, you know, um, for him to look at it and be like, yo, my dad did this. Like, I'm, 
I want to do my own thing and be authentic yeah. with what I do and stuff. But yeah, that's kind of like where my journey in life now in whatever I'm doing is just kind of like, I don't care about what other people think anymore because his mind about me is bigger than what anybody else can think. I love that, Whether bro. I'm in a dance battle and people are like, oh, your foundations or this and that are not like here or there. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. You see my son <laughs> getting hyped for me? Yeah. That's all that matters to me. Mm -hmm. Like if my son gets hyped for me, my wife gets hyped for me and I get hyped for her and she gets hyped for him. And like we're hyped for, as a family, as a unit and we're moving as a team. Like that matters more to me than all the awards I would get, all the features I've had in magazines or being on TV or whatever it is, yeah. right? Like, I want my son to look at this podcast one day and be like, yo, my dad, like how I talked about my dad was like, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a dope ass dad that did what he wanted to do, like stayed true to who he was and didn't give a fuck what anybody else said. And I want him to grow up like that. I want him to just be authentic because at the end that, of the bro. day life is not going to be life if you're not authentic and if you're if you're not being authentic to yourself you know that's when people say earth is like living in hell because if you're you're not who you are and you're not doing what you're you're passionate about or even just like advocating for what you're passionate about you know like you can have a nine to five and everything mm -hmm. but after your nine to five like if you're passionate about knitting and you're in knitting clubs and you're showing everyone your work and that's what makes you feel alive yo you don't live in hell straight you know? up. like the world's a hard place mm -hmm. and there's so many things every all of us can do but at the end of the day i think all of us just have to really be authentic and true to who we are and like love whatever we love and yeah. be passionate about whatever we're passionate about because at the end of the day i mean it's our life and it's us living it right 100% bro I love that I love that so much because like yeah it's life would be a hell if you're not yourself right like because then you're you're in the jail of a character you made like you're like oh I'm this person or I have to be this person and yeah. that's just jail that's not freedom you know yeah and like I love that the way you described your relationship with your son like it's there's nothing that you need to push him to be it's just like nurturing who he actually is and that's the same thing with our inner child you know what I mean because like we have to just nurture who we actually are, whether that's like, oh, I love wrestling or I love yeah. martial arts or whatever that thing is. It's like, but there's always that pressure to be like, no, I should be this because this is what is successful. Oh, yeah. I should be this because this is what is desirable. Yeah. But really the journey is like nurturing who you actually are. Just like your journey with your son is nurturing who he, who he actually is, you know? Yeah. It's all about just being yourself, right? At yeah. the end of the day. And, and everyone talks about being authentic. They talk about their values, but a lot of people don't live their shit. 100% right so with that like I can leave as many legacies as I, I can my wife can do the same thing we can our son can see all the work that we've done in the community but the end of the day like it doesn't do anything for him mm -hmm. the only thing that I think it would do is just inspire him to do what he wants to do and not necessarily have to follow in our footsteps. He doesn't have to be a dancer. He doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. He doesn't have to be um, a writer because my wife mm. is a writer. Like, yeah, I don't. Whatever he wants to do, like, yo, we got your back 100%. Mm -hmm. You know, and like going back to what I was saying about like being on podcasts and TV and shit. Like I'd love for my son at one point in life to 
to pull this podcast up and like look at the camera and, or look at the screen and he's like yo my dad talked about me yeah and he really pushed me to just be myself mm-hmm. you know and i think that's something that's it's hard to do as a parent because sometimes you want to mold um but with with kids like when they're born they already have something yeah. you just don't know what it is and they're the ones teaching us like what and who they are mm-hmm. you know so i think it's we've come to a point in life where our parents were kind of a little strict on us yeah. because you know they they had a hard life when they immigrated here and all that kind of stuff um or you know their parents had a hard life immigrating and that's all they knew and then you know it kind of continued on but i feel like in our life now in our generation we're able to understand that what we grew up with a lot of it could have been traumas um and it it did affect a lot of us but now like we understand that yeah and it's up for us now to like break a lot of these cycles and and introduce a different world to our kids 100 percent. and like dude no matter how hard you try or how like good you try to be your kids are gonna have traumas right there's gonna be something they're gonna take because you know this is a saying that i heard about trauma which is like trauma isn't the thing that happened to you trauma is the story you tell about the thing that happened to you yeah you know so and and at the end of the day, like you were saying earlier, like the traumas are just a way for us to learn about ourselves and become the people we are. So that's blessed, man. Yeah. And it like for me, I didn't I knew, but I didn't really fully understand it until I I started taking therapy. Mm. And like uh honestly, I think everybody needs to go to therapy. Yeah. It's one of the it's one of the best things you can do, and it's not an embarrassing thing. Mm-hmm. But the way some of us grew up, it's like you can't be weak, especially as like as boys or as men. Right. Like we're not allowed to be sad or, you know, people would say you can't be sad. Don't be sad. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing to be sad about. Look at what you have. Look at where you live or whatever it is. Right. But we're only humans, man. And our bodies can only take so much. It's like shaking a, a you know, a can mm-hmm. of, of pop. And at, at a certain point someone's gonna open it someone's gonna talk to us to open us up and then we're gonna just explode with like feelings and tears and anger happiness sad like whatever it is like we're gonna explode at one point and for me like i didn't get into therapy and in all honesty i haven't been to therapy in a long time in in like a couple like maybe in a month or two Mm -hmm. um but like I didn't go into therapy until we had our first miscarriage, which was just wow. a couple months ago. And for me, like I didn't even understand why I am the way I am. And it wasn't actually necessarily because of my parents. Like the reason why I did everything on my own, whether it be uh, dance or sneakers or uh, streetwear, like even the way I ran a business, like doing everything on my own. And my therapist kind of broke this down for me was she was like, so there's things that happened to me as a kid where, you know, the reason why I got hit with so much trauma when we had our miscarriage is because mm-hmm. at the age of 10, my sister had a stillborn. So she lost her first child, wow. um, like while giving birth, like full term, everything was good up until, you know, she gave birth and, there were things that happened where we we ended up losing my niece and uh 
at the age of 10, it really fucked me up because it, I was one, a pallbearer. I was a pallbearer at the age of 10. Like carrying a casket at that age, especially even if it's a baby one, I remember how heavy it was. I was like holding that shit with two hands. Wow. And there's even pictures that I have where I'm, I'm like, I wasn't crying at the, the funeral, but I remember just staring and I was like trying to comprehend death. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't understand death. I didn't understand um, the logistics, but I had the why. Like, why everything was good up until that point. Why did we lose her? Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know if I know the complete story. I've kind of just, like, as a kid, I just, you know, when parents are talking to, like, my sister, and I kind of eavesdropped a little bit and talking to my brother-in-law, but I don't, I don't really know. I kind of just speculate what I, what I've heard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we had our miscarriage, it like, it took me out for a bit. It was like, it like brought back a lot of things from when I was ten years old at the age of thirty-two, and it hit me so hard. And then I got into therapy, and growing up, like I would have meltdowns where I would think about my niece. Mm. You know, at at different stages in life, I was maybe like twelve or thirteen or whatever. And like I was hitting depression, yeah, at a young age, and and um, I still hit certain points of depression now as an adult. But I know how to, I know when it's coming. I know what it feels like, and I know how to, like, not really prevent it, but I know how to go through the motion of it. But also learning how to speak to my wife about it. Like when mm-hmm. something is really, like, getting to me, like I know how to open up. When I was younger, I didn't know. I was like scared yeah because i didn't want my parents to worry i didn't want to tell my friends because like they don't like we're fucking kids like what the mm-hmm. fuck are they gonna understand you know and you just you didn't want to be a burden 100 percent. Right? that's like, the biggest thing you, even now like sometimes you don't want to tell someone something because you don't want to be a downer like maybe mm-hmm. they're having the greatest day of your life and yeah. you're just like yeah i feel like dying inside right now yeah. but when i did therapy i talked to my therapist about it and then i I don't remember what we got into, but I was telling her about the things I do with the sneaker community and what I did for dance and streetwear and how I've been involved with it from such a young age. Like mm. I remember collecting sneakers at the age of 13, but I wasn't getting anything super crazy. I was just getting sneakers to like go in my clothing that I can, you know, make myself look fresh. Yeah. And it wasn't until she broke everything down for me. She's like, the reason why you took so long to one bring people on a team with you um and and invite people to your business especially with legal hustle and buy miles um is because you were saved by these things it didn't fuck me up when people would talk shit about my sneakers or Mm. make fun of my outfits it didn't do anything to me because for me again like it goes back to feeling good about myself and I was alive. Mm-hmm. But the craziest part was the thing that really hurt the most, I think, was when I was taught, I was like, wow, like that, you know, it it really brought me down as a human being. And like, I was like, these aren't just materialistic things. You know, a lot of people will see it like that. But there was a point in my life where a pair of shoes made me happy because I was depressed. Mm-hmm. The smell of the shoe, the way I looked in in an outfit made me feel good because I was depressed. Yeah. I just had this feelings bottled up when I was young where 
sometimes you think about suicide, but I knew I wasn't going to go through it Mm -hmm. because I just, I couldn't do it. You know, like, I don't know my mind state anymore at that point. Like, that was just one of those things where I kind of blacked it out from life. But when I talked to my therapist, she just said, like, streetwear, sneakers, and dance. Those are the three things you hold tight on because they saved you. Yeah. And that's the reason why, you know, you might have had all this time of, like, a decade of doing Legal Hustle by yourself. And even when you had a business partner, you were so uptight about it because people didn't understand what it really meant to you. Mm-hmm. So the sad, the, the part that really wow. killed me when, when we were talking about it was just like, man, like even just thinking about some of the shit people would say to me, whether it be friends or family members and, and no knock on anyone that watches this, but it was just what I was going through as a kid. Um, so if you said any shit, I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was like, it was just like, everyone kind of said all this shit to me. but no one really knew like deep down inside like fuck Mm -hmm. like i'm dying right now guys and uh this this sneaker or this t-shirt or me going to a dance class really is like it's keeping me here to be happy with you but again no one understood because i also wasn't very open about that Mm -hmm. but when my therapist said that i was Bro, I burst out crying. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was broke. Like I was broken at that point. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, everyone can talk about sneakers or whatever it is being materialistic. But again, like this, this is like what kept me in this life. This is what kept <laughs> me here to meet my wife, to create a, a son that, you know, one day I hope we'll just do whatever he wants that betters the world because at the end of the day that's we're all kind of here for that moment is to to like bring peace and to bring something positive whether whether it's materialistic or not you know dude 100% that's like so incredibly profound and there's so many things in there that like are creating all of these moments for me like in my mind and realizations for myself you know what I mean like just to start off with what you said earlier about like being a man and like you're told that to be strong is to like not feel your emotions but when you do that like it's coming up in in ways that you're not aware of right like it's like oh the pain's still there i'm just not dealing with it yeah and the strength actually comes from looking at the pain like face to face and being like oh, here let me like put this out there and like deal with it and like I, I can relate so much to feeling like a burden, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like feeling like whatever I'm going through right now, I don't want to put that on somebody because like exactly like you said, they could be having the best day or whatever. But yeah. think about when a homie comes to you with something and they're they're hurting and you can be there for them. Like how good does that feel? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. You know, like I actually think that when we can share our pain with people it's a gift to them It's a gift to people. Like obviously don't like go around telling everybody, but someone you can trust, whether that's a therapist or a really great friend or your wife or whoever that might be like, that's giving them the opportunity to be there for you. Yeah. And like, that's such a, that's such a gift. You know what I mean? Like, and man, like 
there's nothing stronger than than being able to look at yourself and the things that you're feeling and actually deal with them and 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 turn it into something positive you know what i mean like so man fuck like grateful that you shared that with me because like i'm getting so much from that man like i'm 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 actually like truly getting so much from that yeah and and like i always try to be an open book you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like there's there's not a lot of things in my life where i just feel like people shouldn't know obviously there's like small things here and there yeah but one of the things that i always promised myself was again we're being authentic right Mm -hmm. um but being an open book and just being comfortable with like speaking about like not even just facts just experiences that i've been through Mm -hmm. because you know when i when i posted about going through a miscarriage with my wife back in september so many dads and guys were were texting me or calling me and they're like man like i really went through that too and like i didn't understand how i should feel yeah and i was like why isn't this a normalized thing for for guys you know like why isn't it normal for guys to talk about how sensitive they are mm-hmm. why isn't it normal for guys to to talk about like our feelings you know and um and i get it like we grew up that way yeah but at the end of the day for people that kind of still look at it like one of the things i always think about is we can only blame traumas for so long in life yeah it's like my dog ate my homework the fucking first day of school <laughs> and then you say it at the end of the week my dog ate my homework yeah. and you come back on monday and my dog ate my homework like you can only blame something for so long where if you know that part is messing you up you know how to correct it mm-hmm. or you know how to take steps into not even correcting it but how to live with it how to grow with it how to develop from it and it's like for me with my with going through depression like i know the feeling of being heavy i know the feeling of like like shutting down and not knowing like how to how to feel how to talk i remember with me like going through depression i would i get cold mm. like i get like a cool feeling i get super heavy in my chest and i didn't know how to deal with it sometimes i'd i would like try to talk but I wouldn't say what's going on and it it like didn't fix anything but it was like I knew there was something there yeah but I when I got very involved into basketball into dance and and into like sneakers and fashion again like I said like that's what really made me happy and to this day like it makes me happy getting a new pair of shoes is dope getting um getting compliments on an outfit like I'm not maybe I'm not in that in that version of myself anymore but it feels good and that's what i was like i guess like yearning for i wanted those likes right but it wasn't a it wasn't like a vanity thing it was just that i wanted it made me feel good like 100 percent. if i got a new t-shirt i was excited to wear it like the first day of school when you set your fucking outfits out mm-hmm. and you're you're excited to go to school to wear whatever you had not trying to stunt because you're just like yo i got some fresh shit yeah but that's how it was for me it was just like it was a constant like excitedness 
not mm-hmm. even for other people like i'm just excited to wear i'm like i bought this milk run tea today yeah and like i was excited to come on the podcast to rock it because mm. jd's our homie 100. and and like i'm all about supporting my friends mm-hmm. right so it's just like i feel good i'm excited like i was you know i was excited to support him and and to like visit him at the new store yeah and shoot the shit with him for a little bit and talk about what we were doing when we were kids and seeing how we are now like me as a dad and him as a business owner and mm-hmm. everything um so it was like therapy was great like i, I think everybody got to check out therapy mm-hmm. it's if if you can uh you know if work has the insurance or the benefits for it everyone should just take advantage of it because it's just nice to speak to someone yeah and it's nice to speak to someone with no bias right like they just they listen they they don't give you answers Mm -hmm. but they they get you to find the answer within Mm -hmm. your own thoughts and the way you talk like i said i didn't understand myself and how i ran business and why i was so like tight on certain things and why would it invite people yeah with yyc soldiers i was lucky enough to to like have someone like andrew fung that was that taught me how to be a little bit more open with bringing people on the team and uh with yyc soldiers it was a little bit easier for me but i already had someone in the beginning but all my other businesses it was just like i was a i was a one-man show yeah and i didn't understand it as much as my wife was saying you need to have a team I didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't understand why I couldn't. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. Like, yeah, to be able to see it as like, it's, it was pretty much a life raft for you. Yeah. Like, yeah, this thing brings you joy and happiness and, and a sense of peace. Like when, when there's so much darkness going on, you know? Yeah. And like, and, yeah. and I didn't understand that darkness. Mm-hmm. I just knew there was darkness, but I didn't understand. And that's the exact same thing, right? We can chalk it up to like, you know, that's how we grew up or whatever, but it's like, we didn't have examples of like how to deal with that. Right. Cause like, I don't know about your dad, but my dad's like a stoic individual. Like he's, he's very rarely emotional, you know, he's, he's, he's a man's man. Yeah. And like, so it's, it's a skill you have to learn. Yeah. Right. And you can learn that through therapy or you can learn that through books or you can learn that in however way. Right. Exactly. And like the most powerful thing, man, is like when you are vulnerable and you, and you uh, are able to, actually deal with those things then now you're the example now people can look at you and be like oh that's how you do it yeah (laughs) you know what i mean so not only is it like healing you like now you're a safe space for other people to heal because you know how to deal with that and you can now you can help someone else do that too you know what i mean and and it's yeah it's the crazy part is just like i was saying people people hitting me up and stuff about you know how do i feel and and sharing stories with me and i'm like wow like you you know you guys have maybe more than more kids than I do, but you guys have gone through a miscarriage. And regardless if you've been through one miscarriage or, mm. you know, multiple, we all go through the same feeling and everything. And even when I, I was on another uh, a podcast a couple of years back uh, called Hard as a Mother. Mm. And um, I was, I think I was one of the first dads on the episode, which was like a dope dad episode. And I opened up to the world pretty much about how i went through uh postpartum depression and people don't really know that men go through postpartum and men don't even know that they go through postpartum Mm -hmm. but i i talked about it and i mentioned like i went through postpartum like i just i really got into a dark hole as a new father and 
and no one knew my wife didn't know i didn't want to tell her yeah until one day i opened up to my my one older cousin and i was like yo i might i might do some of myself right now like i i don't know what to do like i'm 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 stuck i'm so heavy like i i'm hitting a depression i'm getting anxiety right now like there's a lot of things that can happen especially when you're a new parent not even just for for dads but just parents in general you're tired you're exhausted you don't know what's going on you're new no matter how many kids you have you can still hit this Mm -hmm. this postpartum i remember hitting my cousin up and i was like yo like i don't know what's going on right now like i can't i can't think i can't work i'm like sad i'm like lost and i just told him everything he's like i've been there i was like you have and he's like that's that's postpartum yeah he's like you really need to talk to sen about that and i and that same day i like i like walked into our bedroom because we were living out with my parents at that time and i walked into the our bedroom and i was like i'm not i'm not healthy i'm uh i'm I'm going through something right now. I don't know what it is. I know it's depression. I know it's anxiety because it's the same feelings I had when I was younger. Yeah. But it was different because I didn't know how to I didn't know how to work with it. So it was like a lot of grinding and no moving. Mm-hmm. And after I opened up about it with her, it felt like the fucking world was off my shoulders. Wow. Because it was like so I learned this after, but so my wife and I, like my wife didn't have an easy pregnancy. She was actually bedridden for a couple months. Wow. And I felt like I had to take control. I had to make sure she was good. I had to make sure she was eating, make sure, you know, she was comfortable, healthy, whatever she was doing, if she needed help with work or whatever it was. Like I became the caregiver. Yeah. And then when she gave birth, I kept doing the same thing that I forgot we were a team. Mm-hmm. And how I mentioned, like, as my family now, we move as a unit. Like, if you want me, you got to have my total package with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, because my mentality was, what do I have to need when I didn't push a baby out? Mm. You know, like, who am I to ask for help? And that's where you, a lot of men get fucked up, especially when they're, like I said, when their significant others have a tough pregnancy where they kind of take a lot of the load and they're trying to make sure they're doing everything they can to make sure they're comfortable and the baby's okay and, you know, surviving and all that kind of stuff that you forget to think about yourself. Yeah. And then when I opened up to my wife about it, she's like, she's like, you need to really think about us as a team because like Kobe didn't do everything by himself. MJ didn't do everything by himself. LeBron definitely didn't do everything by himself. You know, so it's just like, you got to think of us as a team because if you're the only one trying to do something, like, I don't know if you're okay or not. Yeah. And I was like, so hit with that. Like, bro, I like, as I got older, I cry a lot more now. Bro, me too. I'll watch a movie and I'll get emotional over it. Bro, the same. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm getting softer with age. Yo, me too. Yeah. Like, no matter where you grew up, the older you get, you're going to get... doesn't matter how hard you get. You are. Mm-hmm. Like, you just got to have a heart, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's powerful. Like, and I bet going through that with your wife has made you guys closer than you've ever been, right? Oh, 100%, bro. 
Yeah. And like, she's my best friend. You know what I mean? Like, if she's my best friend, like, you tell your best friend everything, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, definitely, definitely did bring us a lot closer, very comfortable. When we're, when one of us is feeling off, like, we let each other know. You know what I mean? I love that. It's always an open door. Mm-hmm. Right? And and that's the same thing with me and my partner. I don't, we've never been through anything as, as difficult as that. Um, but the challenges that we have faced has always made us closer together. And that's what real bonds are made from, man. Like the real bonds are made from hard times. Yeah. Like even me and my family, like we've been through a lot of hard things and and that's the things that get us closer together. Whereas everyone's trying to post all the really great moments on social media social or whatever. Media, yeah. Like the most important moments are the ones that nobody sees. The ones where you're like in the dark together and working yeah. through it. You know what I mean? And, and like, yo, I got to give like a shout out to my wife. Cause like, she's like, you know, like I said in the beginning, she called me out on all my bullshit yeah. and it like, it touched me bad. And I've said this lots of times. I've been very open about it. Cause I'm like, there's no purpose in being proud about that. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not scared to show that I was fucking weak. Yeah. I was, I was lazy. I'd rather be vulnerable and inspire someone young. Like if I can go back and give this podcast to the 18 17 year old albert yeah and like you know he can watch it and be like i'm inspired then like fuck i did my job you know what i mean like That's there's it. a there's a kid that is me right now that will probably see this one day and be like whoa like he was like me you know what i mean yeah so i really gotta give a shout out to my wife because like she's She's like, we've been together since I was 19. She was 21. Mm-hmm. And we've been together like since then, you know what I mean? Like we've it's had amazing. our breakups here and there, but we, you know, we dated as kids. We dated in our twenties, got married in our late twenties, had our son, um, in 2019, Wow, you know, so he's turning four this year. Uh, but like we, you know, like everyone has challenges. It doesn't matter if it's like, if you're married, it doesn't matter if you have kids or you're just starting off, like there are going to be challenges and that's where, you know, like communication really, really builds a bond together. Like mm-hmm. you, it's all about moving as a unit, but at the same time as moving as a unit, you also, one of the things that we both learned is like having our own individual lives still. So as much as we're still dancers, she has her thing that makes her happy. I have my thing that makes us happy. And one of the things that we found that was just healthy for us, and I mean, like, you know, everyone can kind of take this as a grain of salt, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to like everything that they like, and they don't have to to like everything you like, and you don't have to do everything together all the time. Mm -hmm. But as you get older, you'll understand there are moments in time where you're like, you know, I could go to Hawaii with my friend cool or you know maybe i just want to share it with my family instead and go there like there are things like that that you're gonna end up learning about yourself and that was the same thing with us like there are moments where we had we had breaks because you know we had to learn about ourselves again Mm -hmm. we had to become individuals and then we came back together and it was like fuck even better now i understand myself i can be a better person for you and you can be a better person for me and my happiness is not relied on you yeah because and that's that's the one thing i found is a lot of a lot of couples end up fighting a lot it's because either they're not like they expect the other person to like what they like or this and that 
but then they put their happiness in that person. exactly it's codependence yeah it's like oh you have to be happy for me to be happy yeah and then so how do i make you happy oh you're not happy everything i do is not making you happy and then like it causes that yeah it causes that riff right yeah and that's like i found that's like that's how that's where um you know where people become there's a lot of resentment yeah you know and and even if people get married later on in life that could still affect it and that was one of the things that we always talked about is just being very open with each other about like how we feel Mm -hmm. you know but when we when i was going through postpartum i just like i said i i didn't want to be a burden to my wife she literally pushed the baby out right and i watched all of this happen and the pain that she went through and everything and you know like again shout out to her she breastfed for for most of everything she didn't you know like she god willing she was able to to do that right and you know she did a lot of things with pregnancy like mothers do crazy things for kids Mm -hmm. and and i didn't really understood what mothers really went through until like we had a son or we had a baby and my son was being nurtured by his mom yeah because there's only so many things I can do as a dad, mm-hmm. right? Like I, unfortunately I can't breastfeed, Yeah. right? I can only bottle feed. Mm-hmm. Um, so like even waking up in the middle of the night and my wife is just, you know, she's breastfeeding, reading a book. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I should say anything. Yeah. But if it wasn't for my cousin telling me, you know, you really got to open up to this stuff because you guys work as a unit. Mm-hmm. Like I really forgot about teamwork. And that's, that's like, man, there's so much powerful energy in what you're saying, man. And like, I think, I think for a lot of fathers out there, you kind of feel like it's, it's hard to ask for help because you're supposed to be like Superman of the family, right? Like you're supposed to be a superhero and like, I don't know, I guess what have been kind of the major challenges for you as a, as a young father, like that stand out for you? I think just trying to be like my dad. Mm. You know what I mean? Like how you're saying your dad is stoic. I feel like my dad didn't become more sensitive. My dad is a sensitive guy. Yeah. But he wasn't sensitive with me. Like he wasn't mean or anything like that. But he was very like, man's man. Like that's my dad. Like me and my dad would like punch each other in the arm and stuff kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. uh, Growing up. But it wasn't until I started learning how to, to really open up. Like, I would open up to my dad about stuff, especially when I became a dad. Yeah. I, I, like, opened up to my dad about a lot of stuff, just, like, parenthood stuff. It was just, like, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize this was this, it was going to be this hard and all that kind of stuff. And then, even him now, like, I can see the sensitive side with him when he's with Carter. Mm. Like, he, he's, like, he's not, like, a boys don't cry kind of thing anymore yeah. like he used he's he said it maybe once or twice to carter when he was maybe like one one and a half mm-hmm. and i just said like dad we can't say stuff like that anymore and i had to ex- i explained it to him right and i like i only maybe said it once or twice to him and now my dad's like you know it's okay to be sad it's okay yeah. to hurt which is like where the fuck were you when I was growing up? <laughs> but at the same time, like, I get it. Like, that 100. was, you know, like, that's how he was raised. My, uh, like, I didn't really get to know my grandfather, like, yeah. from my dad's side, because he passed when I was only three years old. So he was Carter's age when, when my grandfather passed. Wow. Um, so I didn't really 
no but just from seeing the pictures of my dad and his siblings and then seeing my grandfather like i get it you know like mm-hmm. they had all boys in the family so they were like very tough yeah um but for me it, i think the hardest thing is it's like staying again being authentic but showing emotion mm-hmm. like i cry in front of my son i when when we had the uh when we had the miscarriage i would just burst out into tears out of nowhere like i was driving him one time and i just started crying and then he's like dad why are you crying i was like i'm just sad right now you know like i'm I just had a thought about Atlas because our our baby was going to na- be named Atlas. Yeah. And I was like, I just had a thought about Atlas and it just made me really sad. And then he, I don't know if he started crying because I didn't, I didn't turn back, but I just heard like a, like a, a yeah. sniffle from him. And he's like, it's okay, dad, like be sad, but I'm here. And I was like, damn. Wow. Like we, we didn't really teach that. We just show it. You know, and I, I'm starting to see that the more and more I show how I am with my wife to my son, mm-hmm. like I, I, every morning I've never missed a day, but I'll wake up if I'm the first one up or if they're the first ones up and I wake up, I see them like, good morning, guys. I love you. Give both of them a kiss every morning. I never, I never fuck with that routine. That is my that. thing. And, uh, even if my wife wakes up at 5 a.m. and she's working in the office and I wake up at like 6 or 7, after I'll, I'll make sure to kiss Carter, wake him up, give him a hug, and then I'll like go downstairs and do the same thing, just check up on my wife, be like, you need anything? You good? You know, like, good morning. Like, no matter what, like, regardless if we're mad, whatever, like, it is always just been ingrained that mm-hmm. I just have to do that. And I notice now Carter, when he wakes up, he'll be like, like waking up and he's like morning mom morning dad love you and then give us a hug or mm-hmm. give us a kiss and it's just like man we showed that to him 100 percent. like he watched the example we didn't say like when you wake up you say good morning and you give us a kiss you know like he just sees it and he does that and even when i was like leaving the house today i kissed my wife and i was like i'll see you guys later you know and i kissed him he's and i was like walking he's like hey like where's my kiss you <laughs> yeah, know like, yeah. i was like fuck you're right bro my mm-hmm. bad you know what mm-hmm. i mean like it's stuff like that like you just to me i think that's it's it's hard but it's easy but also yeah. like sometimes you can't do dumb shit <laughs> <laughs> man right? i love that man like you're you're really modeling what it is to be a man or just a human to your son you know what i mean like yeah. whether that's expressing like any emotion, whether that's like love and gratitude or sadness or anything like that. Yeah. And like for me, you know, maybe maybe our parents in some way they felt like being a father means sacrificing. Like you're just like sacrificing and, and maybe that is a lot of what being a father is, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I would love to be a father one day. It's like a calling that I have. And like for me, it's like I've always thought like to be a good father, I just have to be myself i have to be an example like kids don't do as you say they do as you do yeah so how can i go and tell my kid to be like hey be yourself don't care what these people think like follow your dreams and then i'm like in an office job that i hate (laughs) (laughs) right and you're and you're coming home miserable or exactly right and it it's like the that is like one of the hardest parts is 
making sure you're you are what you're telling your kids to be and making sure you follow through with that Mm -hmm. it's all about the follow through yeah um another tough thing for me is like we just recently got them in daycare Mm. and in our daycare like we can watch them on on our phones or whatever just to see what they're doing and the hard thing for me is trying to turn my phone off right to not watch to see like what he's in because i don't want to be a hovering parent Mm -hmm. but one of the things i noticed and it was just this week like i was so my son still knew he's still transitioning and like on friday last week he cried the whole time he was there came home and his eyes were so puffy and red and he's fair skinned so like his nose everything was like complete red but when i saw him he's like oh hi dad and i was like looking at him and i broke down in front of him i was like buddy i was so sad like i i know i saw you on camera and you were crying a lot and i was like i'm so sorry and i was like i feel so guilty that you have to be here Mm -hmm. but at the same time like i have to think like this is good for him on a social aspect yeah right because kids need to be around other kids like he can't as much as he wants to be around mommy and daddy you know like we're not kids and we don't we're not essentially your friend we're still Mm -hmm. a parent you know yeah so i saw him crying a lot and i was like fuck he was there from 7 30 to my wife picked him up at like 3 34 and he was crying the whole time but he told them on friday i'll see you tomorrow which is saturday but he doesn't have daycare until monday yeah but the fact that he said i'll see you tomorrow no matter how sad he was he per he persevered mm-hmm. and it's like you're so brave yeah you know and i really really get inspired by him with that is his bravery and he always said i'm not brave i'm scared i'm shy mm-hmm. and that's the thing that makes him sad is he, sh- he he's a very shy kid right i was a shy kid growing up my wife is a shy kid and i still remember like hiding behind my dad's leg when he was like you know like say hi to you know whoever it was Mm -hmm. um but he went back on monday cried for a little bit i saw him on camera i can't help that's the thing that's the hardest part for me just to not not watch but i was just curious like i just want to know how you're how he's doing now Mm -hmm. he cried for a little bit and then he was like playing with everyone now and then he still says he doesn't like daycare he prefers preschool over daycare because he's also in preschool but he's persevering but one of the things that i found and i told my wife this and i started venting about it was i ended up going on google and just like looking up how to overcome you know like your child going to daycare like anxiety for myself because i was already sad that he was sad and i was also looking up how do i make daycare fun for my child like searching stuff up like that and there was no blog that had anything to do with dads mm. it was all mom shit which shout out to all the moms there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> but it was just like everything is a mom thing and what if i just need that community of dads yeah you know like where is a dad blog mm-hmm. which in my mind I'm like maybe i should just be the guy that 100%. starts it you know what i mean or yeah. like even just doing stuff like this where i'm just talking about being a dad yeah dude right and being very vulnerable talking about our miscarriage talking about hardships and marriage talking about you know going through postpartum just giving that that 
open door for other guys mm-hmm. not even like dads just other guys that have maybe gone through the same thing if yeah. regardless if they're married or not um and just being very open book and and normalizing dad stuff yeah. i've already accepted the fact that i'm not going to be like my dad who's the handyman of the house like mm-hmm. i could be like dad can you make me a table which he's done he's yeah, helped me nuts. and it's like he you know like that's his thing you know mm-hmm. he fixes airplanes so his tools are his his thing mm-hmm. for me t-shirts and design are my thing so yeah. i understand that i can't i'm not that trade dad that we grew up seeing on tv i'm not fucking tim allen <laughs> or uh, a carl winslow yeah you know yeah. what i mean like i'm not i'm not like the macho trade dad Mm. i'm still a tough dad i'm just like i embrace the fact that i make t-shirts and stuff and so do other women but i'm a crafty dad you know what i mean like i come like making that a norm for me and just even saying like a crafty dad we fucking say that shit 15 years ago people like (laughs) yo that's that's a little gay you know and and not to knock anybody else but that's just the term that people would say yeah Right, like I, uh, I, I make fucking T-shirts for my little action figures, mm-hmm. and imagine me telling people in high school yeah. that I make little clothes for toys. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're gonna say to me? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was a term that they would be saying, but now it's like fuck. Let's normalize the shit that we do as 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 men, regardless 100%. if we're parent or not. I embrace the fact that I'm a crafty dad yeah i fuck we my family we do crafts man and i love it and sometimes like i'll come up with ideas with stuff or i'll like really like there was one thing we were doing we were painting rocks for Mm. halloween and i got into fucking painting my rock i love that but i'm like i'm not embarrassed to say that i can't fix a fucking toilet yeah i can't you know i can't change the oil to my car Mm -hmm. why would i like in hindsight I don't care about that shit. Like I'll go to a Jiffy Lube Mm -hmm. and get them to do it for me. Cause one, me doing it is just going to take up time where I can be creative. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's stuff that we grew up. I remember watching my dad do that stuff. I remember when bad plumbing was happening and my dad would just go like, he would fucking fix this with no YouTube or nothing. He just knew how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, even the way that I look at it, it's like, like generations is just like passing a torch. I think like the dads that we had were the dads that we needed. Like those were the type of dads we needed at that time. We needed these stoic men's men type of dads. And then now to heal the next part of the trauma, to pass the torch to the next, we need more sensitive dads. Yeah. We need dads who are more in tune with their emotions. We need dads who can like have that balance and like show their kid like this is how you cry. Yeah. This is how sadness exactly, moves through man. the body. This is how we do this. Because, like, our parents could do all that other stuff, but they couldn't do what we're doing right now. Yeah. You know? And then I'm sure your son is going to be a different dad, but that's going to be the type of dad that that generation needs. So, like, yeah, to go man. back and compare is, like, silly. You know what I'm saying? Bro, and you're not even a dad. And for you to say that, like, yeah. I've never even thought about that. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, to yeah. Just, like, that was a dad that we needed for our generation. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and to, like try to push that same dad is not going to fix anything these days right yeah as like different as this world is you know whether people agree with it or not Mm -hmm. we're a different we're a different generation we're a different type of human being these days but yeah Yeah. man like that's like that's such a dope perspective from someone that's not a dad just to (laughs) say one day one day man one day (laughs) 
but yeah man just like that's like when it comes to business and entrepreneurship for me that legacy is the legacy that i leave here the whether i'm here today tomorrow next whatever amount of years whenever it's my time to go if carter pulls up a video pulls up my website or my accolades he sees that i mentioned him he sees that i mentioned mm -hmm. his mom and like my life revolves around them and not looking at what other people like about me anymore yeah you know well, and, man. and just like loving what you're into <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah man full just full out acceptance of of who you are yeah and like watering that you know like yeah man i want to talk more about that i want to talk more about what you're working on now because obviously legal hustle is kind of like you're transitioning out of that yeah uh, so what are you moving into now i want to know more about yyc soldiers man because that's it's cool i'm interested in it yeah so while i was in school i uh, i started yyc soldiers um in 2012 i created like a facebook group and i had a couple of people help me out with it while like inviting people in um, and, and Andrew Fong is one of them, one of the originals. So he's been with me since the beginning wow. uh, of it. And then our second, like Adam came right after uh, when we started putting our show together, our very first show. Um, but YYC Soldiers, I created as a Facebook group to just kind of build a community because as a club promoter, like when I would go to the club, I would still be rolling in and sneakers and i got away with it because like when you're when you're working it right you know like back then you couldn't wear certain things to yeah the club. You, there's like a dress code <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i didn't give a fuck about the dress code because i knew i could get into the club yeah so i'd be wearing sneakers i'd be wearing like i'd still be dressed in streetwear um but i remember like being it felt like i was a middleman for everyone it's like all my homies are in the northwest or northeast northwest but then I also had friends that were in the Southeast Southwest, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I would just be that guy where people were like, yo, do you know anyone that has this shoe? Or do you know anyone that has this shoe? And it's like, I know this person on this side. He's your size. Like, you're from the Northeast. He's from mm -hmm. the Southwest. Like, like, let me introduce you to each other. So it was kind of like, that was the reason why I wanted YYC Soldiers. But selfishly also, I just wanted to know who is my size because when I didn't have money as a kid, I wanted to buy all the sneakers that I missed out on. Mm. And who's my size so I know that, you know, I can ask you if you're selling anything. Are you, right. you know, this or that. But it just ended up being like bigger than what it is. And I, But I always had this vision and the team always had the vision too. Where we're not even, it's not even just about the sneakers. It's just giving a safe space for kids like us a place to appreciate things because again mm -hmm. when i go back and talk about sneakers and streetwear and the things i would wear people would make fun of me sometimes yeah. right but what if we what if you had a community that you can join and everyone likes the same shit mm -hmm. whether it's like maybe they like a different shoe but they're into shoes maybe they like a certain brand like a streetwear brand but they're into streetwear so it grew from a community like we were all just trying to help each other out right you know yeah. like oh you missed out on that shoe like i can help you get it especially when i used to work at champs mm -hmm. like when people were like yo i can't i can't find my i couldn't get a pair online can you help me out I'm like of yeah. course man like i know you're not about the resell i was like i'm not about the resell life mm -hmm. i could have made myself at an adam we could have made 
thousands of dollars right especially like when i worked at Foot Locker and champs like i could have just fucking put pairs on the side and sold them for money you know but mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything for the community and i always look back at like what if i what if i walked out of this room and for some reason walked into another parallel universe but i stumbled in front of 16 year old albert mm. and he's like wearing the freshest kicks but people are like yo those kicks are whack or why are you dressed like that? You know what I mean? Like, right. what what can I do for him to have him have a place where he can share mm-hmm. his stuff? And YYC Soldiers was created as a Facebook group for the community. It was never about the money. It was never about the hype. You know, like I said, we could have made thousands of dollars just reselling shoes. We could have just been a reselling business. Yeah. We could have taken over Calgary at that point because nobody else would have been doing it. Mm-hmm. And... With the connections that we had at the time, we could have got pairs easy and I could have been flipping them for fucking four times the price of what they came out for. Right. Um, so it was always about the community. But one of the things we always focused on was families, mm. especially when it came to our sneaker events. Like we want families to come because we just want to show them what we love. And nowadays kids are into sneakers and streetwear and like cool shit. But their parents don't necessarily get it. Mm. So we want to be the ones that are like, come to our events or check out our Facebook group and like just see what we're all about. Like we're not about the money. We're not about like how much you spent on a whole outfit. We're just dudes that or not even dudes, but like people that just love the culture. We love sneakers. Like for us, we saw sneakers as art. Yeah. And for me to build my portrait, I am the canvas where I build my foundation with my shoes and then it goes up all the way to my hats. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's how I put things together. You know, like I just rolled up here in like red and gray and Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls on my back. Like Mm -hmm. it's stuff like that where we just want to show that it's cool to just be an individual and be yourself. Mm -hmm. Obviously, with the world and sneakers now, it's a little bit different. Because influencers are, in my opinion, they're kind of fucking shit up mm-hmm. where you're not cool if you don't have this sneaker, right. you know, and, and, you know, a lot of kids get bullied for not having the Jordans or the Nikes. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if you love what you have, and we always have the saying, it's buy what you like and wear what you buy. Right. Because there's a lot of people that will buy things that will just buy it for the hype and mm-hmm. not even like wear them yeah because they're like oh i can't wear this it's like why <laughs> like did totally, you not yeah totally. did you not buy it because you like it mm-hmm. you know so then show it off to the world man yeah. show that shit off like you spent x amount of money on a shoe what's mm-hmm. the purpose of it just chilling mm-hmm. i feel like that. at least like put them on once or twice <laughs> <laughs> like you don't yeah. have to flex on the gram you just got to put it on and feel comfortable and excited for what you have yeah um but it's yeah like that's kind of like what we what we want to instill and preserve as a as a culture here in calgary so mm-hmm. yyc soldiers is very focused on calgary mm-hmm. um we just recently are going to be launching our partnership. We've made a lot of announcements for it with a, a company called Soul Savvy. Okay. So Soul Savvy is another Canadian company here, um, but they're international now. Like they're mm. they get invited to Nike events. They do a lot of things for their like for the community within like the Soul Savvy community because they're they don't fuck with resellers. You know, like it's all about you know if you get a pair of shoes for retail and you need to sell them like you 
you sell them for retail like you don't sell them for more because it's not about that Mm -hmm. if you can assist another member in getting a pair of shoes like if you're looking for a specific shoe and i got it like yo i'm gonna help you out man i'm not gonna keep these or like you need help getting that pair of shoe okay i'm gonna log on at five o'clock with you in the morning and i'm gonna try and help you get that pair of shoes like that's the community that they built so soul savvy is a is a a new partnership that we we built Mm -hmm. um in my mind i'm like man it took 10 years in the making for a company to finally recognize the work that we do here in calgary but we're uh, we're launching our our plus services, which is Soldiers Plus, mm. uh, that caters to uh, sneakerheads here in Alberta. So Calgary, Red Deer, um, Edmonton, and and beyond within Alberta, where we have a new membership program, which is Soldiers mm. Plus. Um, but yeah, like it's just all about community and building and and just creating a safe space for for kids. Um, like when I look at Carter right yeah. G- giving him that safe space if he if he's into that stuff as he gets older mm-hmm. man i love that i love it bro like community is so important the like to belong to a community is like one of the most important things for humans so i love that you're doing that bro and and just everything you're doing man just just being just modeling <laughs> just just authenticity man and it's just giving other people permission to do that too you know thank you yeah man and and, uh, and i gotta give it up to the the dance community because it gave me a spot like mm-hmm. it showed me what a community is it showed me like a place to to be who i am right yeah and it goes back to my three things, streetwear, sneakers, and, and dance. That mm-hmm. saved me as a kid, but not knowing until, you know, just a couple of months ago when I started doing therapy. Yeah. But community is, it's a huge thing, man. And I, and I believe, like, therapy is a big thing. Having a good small circle, not a big circle, but a small circle of people you can really trust. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and community uh, is, is what really you know, can help you out 100 because in that community, there's always someone that's like you mm-hmm. that could help, you know, could help you out, whether it's getting a pair of shoes or, you know, you just need a community of, of like-minded men, 100% that, you know, sensitive, strong men, right? Yeah, man. like, sensitive, strong was never in a word, like yeah. but now it's a, it's a thing and it's dope to have conversations like this and to talk about like the things we do and the things that we're doing and mm-hmm. yeah man that's kind of like how i i take my businesses now whether it be legal hustle whether it be why i see soldiers or by miles or my my dance crews and stuff so just like pushing community and, and building off that bro i love it you know we, we've talked a lot and you like said a lot of things you're doing it for your younger self this podcast for me is also for my younger self so maybe we could end off the episode just with you giving some advice to like the younger version of you or like people who might be like you know on the same journey or on the same path as yourself yeah i mean if you're like me or you're like nick and you know you you struggle to figure out what your identity is um is to is to not force anything if you love a certain thing if you're passionate about something to really just like hone in on that, you know, and and if I am talking to my young self and you are listening to this, just know that you're going to, regardless if you feel alone right now, you're going to find people that love you within a community that are going to support you, that are going to have your back when the times get tough. 
you're gonna find a partner or a, or a person, a friend that's gonna be there. Whether it's one person, two people that are gonna give you that extra push. It might be hard now, but uh, it definitely gets easier the the longer you hold on to being who you really are. And again, like it's gonna, it might take a while. It took me a couple a decade, couple decades to really know who I I am as a person. Um, as a partner and even as a dad and as a community builder. But as long as you stay true to yourself, no matter how old you are right now, like we just got to keep pushing together because at the end of the day, we're all pushing the same goal. I love it, bro. Man, thank you so much. I'm like beyond grateful we could finally meet after like over 10 years of being in the same circle, man. Bro, I swear we were in like back in our party days, we were probably in the exact same circle, probably Dude. standing side by side with a drink, but no one really formally introduced yeah, us yeah. to each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But it's dope. Like, if you guys are watching this podcast, man, it's super exciting to to sit here and be with Nick. Because, um, like, I've seen him all over social media when we were younger and vice versa for him, just, like, with us doing yeah. our thing and, and the grind that we did. And now we're finally talking as men mm-hmm. and just, like being super open and vulnerable with everything so yo thank you again for having me on on because it's been it's been a true blessing and you know great to finally sit down and meet you bro it's been an honor man i appreciate you thank you